The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Tonight on The Readout. While I do not believe I did anything illegal or ever thought I was doing anything illegal, I did an awful, awful lot that was wrong. And there is no one else responsible for my sins. As we await news of a possible Trump indictment, let's recall the case of John Edwards, the rich and powerful Democratic politician who was indicted for something very similar to Trump, allegedly breaking campaign finance laws after a tawdry affair. Also tonight, a Fox producer accuses the network of coercing her into providing misleading testimony in the Dominion defamation lawsuit as a judge begins hearing pretrial arguments in the case. Plus, 10 indictments are announced, including multiple second-degree murder charges after sheriff deputies pinned 28-year-old Ivor Otieno in handcuffs on the ground until he was dead. But we begin tonight, but we begin tonight by stating the obvious. It is Tuesday, the day that the former president told America he would be arrested and charged by the Manhattan District Attorney. Clearly that hasn't happened yet. And if and when it does, it would be historic. The first time a former president has ever been indicted. But there's a larger issue here that this former president may finally, finally face criminal accountability. See, Trump has rarely been held accountable for his shady behavior, from stiffing contractors back in his real estate days, to his alleged sexual misconduct with nearly 30 women, to his two impeachments for trying to blackmail the Ukrainian president and for fomenting a coup. Instead, he has consistently been protected and rewarded, whether it was by his father or by his party. Those in the Republican Party who had objections just looked the other way. Others encouraged his behavior out of some misplaced desire for revenge against a changing America. And this man literally fueled a violent siege on our Capitol. And most of the Republican Party just shrugged it off or called it a regular tourist visit. And yet, what Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg is doing is not abnormal. It is not a political witch hunt. Even the original Teflon Don, John Gotti, had to pay for his crimes eventually. In healthy democratic societies, leaders are held accountable, and there are plenty of examples across the globe. Former French President Nicolas Sarkozy was found guilty of several crimes, including corruption, influence peddling, and illegal campaign financing. And guess what? They sentenced him to jail. In Israel, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was indicted in 2019 for bribery, fraud, and breach of trust. And in true Trump style, he ran for his old office again anyway and won. He's now trying to rewrite the judiciary system so that he doesn't have to face accountability. In Italy, Silvio Berlusconi, the former prime minister and current member of the far-right coalition leading Italy, was acquitted of bribery over his infamous bunga bunga sex parties. In his entire political career, he has faced 35 criminal court cases. He was found guilty in only one. Holding politicians accountable is not abnormal. 
What is abnormal is a former president who summons a mob to fight like hell after a majority of American voters held him accountable for the failures of his presidency by voting him out. Frankly, it is no surprise that Trump is returning to his usual playbook, posting erratic and unhinged calls for his supporters to protest his potential indictment. Nor is it a surprise that he is deploying the same anti-Semitic race-baiting posts on his third-rate Twitter, something his congressional buddies and television allies are more than happy to mimic. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy told reporters that Trump does not literally want to have his supporters protest, but there has been a significant increase in online threats and violent rhetoric related to Trump's potential indictment. Almost all of New York's law enforcement entities are taking the threats of violence more seriously than McCarthy is. The New York Police Department, New York State Court Officers, the U.S. Secret Service, the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force, and the Manhattan District Attorney's Office are all said to be involved in security preparations. According to CBS, the NYPD will deploy river patrols, helicopter surveillance, SWAT teams, and armored vehicles to block access to certain streets. Additionally, NBC4 is reporting that all NYPD officers of every rank have been ordered to dress in full uniform and prepare for deployment starting today. Joining me now is Tracy Walder, former CIA officer and FBI special agent. David K. Johnston, founder of DCReport.org, who's reported on Trump for decades. And Tara Setmeyer, senior advisor to the Lincoln Project and former Republican communications director. Um, I do want to start with you, um, Tracy Walder, because... You know, it, it is not unusual. We tried to make that point. You know, Fujimori in um, Peru was indicted. You know, people have been indicted. Berlusconi is indicted. It, it happens all over the world. The South Korean former leader was indicted. It happens. But what's not normal is for a president to have already demonstrated that he's willing to foment violence on his own behalf. Talk about the security preparations. And do you think that it is appropriate that you're seeing this level of preparation for potential violence if Donald Trump is, in, is indicted? Well, sure. Thank you so much for having me. I, I think this is absolutely appropriate. There's a few things that I'm concerned about. I know that uh, the intelligence community's kind of been split on this. Some have reported that there is no directed threat, and there probably isn't. You know, we're not going to see someone get on social media saying, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to do it, and this is when we're going to do it. That That's not going to happen. However, we have to take any sense of chatter that we see seriously. And so what I'm concerned about is even if some of these groups have waned, I am worried that Mar-a-Lago may have served as sort of an impetus for these organizations recruiting radicals into their ranks, um, because that event was sort of a catalyst, if you will, in terms of going after the president. And I'm worried about sort of the infrastructure surrounding New York City, um, their roadways, their tollways, their tunnels, their bridges. I think that's something that law enforcement is really going to look at protecting because of these caravans of protesters that could potentially descend um, on Manhattan. I think also they're doing a, a really good job, from what I can tell, of monitoring chatter on all those different platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Zello, which is way that truckers speak to each other a lot of these groups use that. They're doing an excellent job of doing that. And another thing that I'm seeing that's really important is that intelligence is being passed between agencies. Secret Service is really going to have to work in conjunction with the FBI, with the Manhattan DA, with NYPD. And it looks like they are really making a coordinated effort to take these threats seriously. So that's what I'm most concerned about. 
Right. And, you know, Tara, you know, it, you, you know, there are the Ali Alexanders that seem to be saying, you know, I'm going to sit this one out, dog. You know, I don't think I'm getting involved this time because, you know, it's been demonstrated that it's the people at the bottom that go to prison and Donald Trump isn't going to protect them. But at the same time, you do have Republican leadership across the board from DeSantis to Kevin McCarthy throwing in those those little those little tropes. You know, George Soros, George Soros, they're all calling George Soros his name, which we know when they say that they, you know, it, it's that Jewish conspiracy, anti-Semitic dog whistle. Um, they're talking about essentially Alvin Bragg is controlled by George Soros. It all is real dog whistling. And so I wonder if, you know, your sense, what is your sense of the Republican Party sort of repeating bad history and, and this time joining Trump in encouraging conspiratorial thinking around a simple potential prosecution? Yeah, it's clear they've learned nothing, right? I mean, January 6th, the four years of Donald Trump, completely disregarding the Constitution. Trumpism is incongruent with the American constitutional system. And yet a major party that has been around since Lincoln has disgraced themselves to the point where they are now actually defending a the criminality obvious criminality and multiple, multiple cases, not just this one. There's multiple, including fomenting an insurrection against this country, which has never happened before. They have made the decision. This is the side they're choosing. And it's, it's unbelievable to me having this, listening to this conversation. Let's like, listen to what we're talking about here. We're talking about preparing for potential th violent threats to the Manhattan DA's office by the former president's cult extremist supporters. We have never, what this is, we're talking about this like it's like it's normal. Like this is the stuff that we used to talk about worrying about Al Qaeda and threats to our country. We're talking about American citizens who have been indoctrinated um, and activated by Donald Trump and Kevin McCarthy and the leaders of the Republican Party who seem to think that they can continue to manage MAGA are continuing to give Donald Trump cover. So anyone who thinks that the party is somehow now on its way back to uh, arguing over uh, tax marginal tax rates rates they are severely mistaken their little retreat down there in Orlando right now which is supposed to be about you know the budget and the debt ceiling things that actually impact everyday americans no 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 that's not their agenda they're too busy worrying about dropping to their knees in subservience to maga and making sure the king is pleased it's outrageous where we are outrageous yeah, it is unprecedented, you know, and, and David, it, I think for Donald Trump, what's also unprecedented, you know, there have been like moments where there's been some accountability. I mean, you think back to the 1970s when he and his dad, you know, were putting C for colored on applications for rent to rent in their homes and they got, you know, slapped down by the by the DOJ uh, in the 1970s. They had to settle. You had, you know, rent control tenants pushing back on them and attempting to throw them out. Fair Labor Standards Act has come after him. He settled some lawsuits, you know, regarding this fake university Something. So um, there's a few of them that are up on screen right now. There was that $1.61 million fine for tax fraud, which is nothing um, really to him. But he's also gotten away with a lot, you know? I mean, January 6th being the biggest one. Um, but he's, you know, he's rarely paid taxes. He's cheated people, obstruction of justice. You just go on and on and on. Classified documents. But it strikes me that, you know, it's interesting that you've reported over the years on the thing that's changed for him is his relationship with this office. I want to read something to you. Um, this is about his relationship with a guy named Robert, Mor Robert Morgenthau, which I'd love you to expound on. Morgenthau, they said, had a blind spot when it came to Trump, was one of his biggest donors. Um, one he would recognize years later. 
In his final years, Mr. Morgenthau witnessed a new bloodlust, demonization of immigrants and people of color, the rise of white supremacy, and was taken aback. One morning in the spring before his death, I asked Mr. Morgenthau, the writer did, what his greatest fear was, and he did not hesitate to answer Trump. Um, he basically kind of felt like he could get away with anything, right, under Morgenthau. And then now he's got this black prosecutor who actually might hold him to account. That's got to be triggering for Donald. Uh, Bob Morgenthau did many great things as the Manhattan DA, but Donald Trump was indeed a blind spot of his. And it's not like authorities haven't known. Uh, when Donald had a casino license, he was up to his eyeballs doing favors for one of the biggest international cocaine traffickers in America, whose case somehow ended up in the courtroom of Judge Marianne Trump Barry. Mm -hmm. uh, and the guy got served 18 months. His mules served 20 years. Wow. So there's a long history of Donald not being held accountable because he followed the counsel of the notorious Roy Cohn from the McCarthy era. And McCone said, if law enforcement comes after you, they're corrupt. They're dishonest. You attack, attack, attack. No matter what comes out, you never apologize. You never concede. You attack. And that's exactly what you're seeing here. And one more thing, Joy, let's be clear. Donald Trump goes around saying he loves America. Donald Trump doesn't love America. If he loved America, he would have peacefully walked away when the voters rejected him. He's trying to become our dictator, and we need to be clear about that. And all of the politicians who are trying to make sure they don't get primaried by speaking up on Donald's behalf right now, they are facilitating a man who wants to end our constitutional government because he believes, Donald believes, that no one but he is competent to be president of the United States, <laughs> which is unbelievably laughable. Yeah. And just very quickly, I mean, he also is using like an old playbook, you know, saying, get them out, like, right, like threatening people that uh, protested at his rallies and throwing really sort of racist barbs at people like Letitia James for holding him to account on, on cheating, you know, his former university folks and so, et cetera, going after this judge saying he's Hispanic, he can't judge me. How much do you think that his playbook, David K. Johnston, is going to involve stoking those kind of pots along with the racism and how dangerous might that be? That's absolutely central to what Donald is doing. And that's what I wrote about uh, almost eight years ago now, that his appeal was going to be to the group of white people in America who believe they are under siege. I mean, let's not misunderstand this. They believe rightly or wrongly, and it's wrongly, that they are under siege by minorities and Jews and international conspiracies. Uh, and part of that is probably because more than half of Americans only read at sixth grade level and one in five at third grade level. They don't have the capacity to understand the incredibly complex world we live in. And Tracy Walder, last word to you then on this. The fact that they keep throwing George Soros's name, we've talked about a lot on the, on the in, in our show meetings, is it definitely feels like a dog whistle that is dangerous. It absolutely feels like a dog whistle that's dangerous. Look, most of these groups, the Oath Keepers, Boogaloo Boys, Proud Boys, they all subscribe to what you you are all referring to as the Great Replacement Theory, which is that idea that the majority of the white population is, is, is being replaced. And this is why we see these spikes in in racism, these spikes in anti-Semitism is because they are ascribing to this belief and it's stoking this, this division. I mean, Trump has for multiple years actually now has called for a civil war. And I think that's really what he's inferring when he does that. And that's why we're playing whack-a-mole essentially yeah. with a lot of these online threats. And, and Republicans are letting him do it.
And the Republican yes, Party is okay. letting him do it. They stand by and, and as if that's OK. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. They're not just letting him. They're helping him do it. Tracy Walder. Yeah, Tracy, they're enabling uh, him. Enabling. They're enabling him. <laughs> Absolutely. Tracy Walder, David K. Johnson, Tara Setmeyer. Thank you all very much. Up next on the readout. Remember this guy? John Kerry's running mate in 2004. Former Senator John Edwards provides a perfect example of how high level elected officials not named Trump have been held accountable for misusing campaign funds to cover up affairs. The readout continues after this. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. For all the claims that it would be unprecedented to indict Donald Trump for hush money payments made on his behalf, I suspect John Edwards would like a word. The former North Carolina senator was John Kerry's running mate in 2004 and ran for president himself in 2008. Prior to that 2008 campaign, he had an affair and fathered a child with Riel Hunter, a videographer hired by his campaign. During that same time, Edwards' wife, Elizabeth, was battling a recurrence of breast cancer. Edwards dropped out of the race in early 2008, and he later admitted to both the affair and to fathering Hunter's daughter. Fast forward to 2011. Edwards was indicted on campaign finance charges, six counts alleging that he solicited nearly a million dollars from political donors during the campaign to pay Ms. Hunter off and conspire to cover up the contributions. The money was passed on by his campaign finance chairman, Fred Barron, and billionaire heiress, Bunny Mellon, a longtime benefactor who sent him more than $725,000 for things like chairs, which actually went to Hunter. During Edwards' 2012 trial, his defense argued that the money was a gift meant to shield Elizabeth Edwards, who passed away in 2010 from Edwards' bad behavior, not to hide it from voters. Sound familiar? A jury acquitted Edwards of one charge and failed to agree on the other five, resulting in a mistrial. The Justice Department declined to retry him. Now, there are some key differences, of course, between Edwards' case and the potential New York indictment of Donald Trump. For one, John Edwards faced federal charges. Trump so far has not, which begs the question, why not? Since his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, pleaded guilty to federal crimes for his role in paying hush money to adult film actress Stormy Daniels to keep her quiet about her sexual affair with Trump ahead of the 2016 election. And joining me now is Andrew Weissman, MSNBC legal analyst, former FBI general counsel and former senior member of the Mueller probe. Um, and, and I want to I, I dig into this, the, the, the reasons why the case against Trump is state and the case against Edwards federal. But I want to do a quick segue before we do that, because we do have some sure. some new news that's just come in from ABC. So I'm going to veer real quick to the, to the feds. 
Special counsel claims, this is ABC's reporting, not NBC's, ABC's, claims that Trump deliberately misled his own attorneys about those classified documents. Uh, Judge Beryl Howell on Friday, um, there essentially had a prima, ruled that uh, Jack Smith's office had made a prima facie showing that the former president had committed criminal violations um, and that attorney-client privilege could be pierced, adding that um, Corcoran, one of these lawyers, was ordered to hand over a number of records tied to what Howell described as Trump's alleged criminal scheme, including handwritten notes, invoices, and transcription of personal audio recordings. How significant is that, Andrew Weissman? I'm so glad you started with this because, Joy, this could be essentially the ball game for bringing a case against the former president for obstructing the Mar-a-Lago documents investigation. Why do I say that? Just to remind people, Mr. Corcoran drafted the certification that said that all documents had been returned um, and didn't exist at Mar-a-Lago. We now know that certification was false. It was not true that all documents had been returned because a search was done. And lo and behold, there were documents all over the place, including in Trump's own office. So the issue that the department's trying to get at is who told Mr. Corcoran, the lawyer, the information that's in the certification. And Beryl Howell ruled in a way that she ruled exactly the same way in the Manafort case, which I handled, saying if a client is using a lawyer to commit a crime, there is no attorney-client privilege. Um, And said that Mr. Corcoran has to testify about who told him that the documents have all been returned. And she went further, according to this reporting, and said any notes, recordings, transcriptions, invoices have to be turned over. And um, Mr. Corcoran was apparently in the grand jury yesterday in D.C. um, responding uh, to the prosecutor's questions so um, this, what happened in the Manafort case, I suspect is going to happen here, which is in the Manafort case, the lawyer completely gave it up and said, this yeah. is exactly who told me. Paul Manafort told me exactly what to say, and I repeated it to the government. And that lawyer had notes of everything that had been told to her by Mr. Manafort, which she then repeated to us. So Mr. Corcoran um, is going to be in the, the exact same position. Um, that is going to be what I think is really devastating evidence. If he, you have his own lawyer saying, I learned this information from the client. Um, and that is just a plain case of obstruction. And, and here's where this is where it all gets like it all fits together, because the, the case of um, Donald Trump in this state case is different from the federal case in that Michael Cohen, who was the lawyer in got federal charges because he did go ahead. He went ahead and went to jail for Trump, right? He went ahead and committed perjury for Trump. He Everything he did, all the crimes that they're now trying to impeach him on, he did for Trump because he was willing to take the fall. So this is where you had a lawyer who took the fall for doing the, the hush money payment. And so my question to you, former federal prosecutor Andrew Weissman, <laughs> is how in the world is this dumped on a state on the state of New York? Because Donald Trump is not facing federal charges. Mr. Berman, who was at DOJ, let him off the hook because Bill Barr wanted him to. Why is this a state case? Why is this Alvin Bragg's problem at all? Why isn't it federal like it was for John Edwards, like it, it was so- for Michael Cohen? Yeah, those are really great questions. So look, for for we, we know the answer with respect to Bill Barr, because Bill Barr said, hey, if it has to do with Trump, stop. 
Um, so he right. actually interceded when he took over from Attorney General Sessions. We don't know the answer with respect to Attorney General Garland, because under the current administration, he could have revived this. And there, there are a number of reasons that, you know, from the nefarious to the innocent, as to why that may be happening. It could be lack of backbone. It could be a concern about what happened in the Edwards case, because just to remember, in the Edwards case, there was a defense, which was, as you alluded to, which was, I wasn't doing this for campaign reasons. I was doing this to so that my wife wouldn't know about this. So in many ways, the state charge of false business records doesn't require Alvin Bragg to get into that whole can of worms. In some ways, Alvin Bragg has a cleaner road to go um, to not raise all of the issues that are, were a little bit murky in the Edwards case. Um, but I do think one thing that's important about the Edwards case is it shows that the Department of Justice is willing to go after Republicans and Democrats. Yes. In other words, this whole idea yeah. that they're politicized, I mean, that's right. hogwash. I mean, I've been at the department. You know what we care about when I was in the department? It's like, did someone commit a crime? It doesn't matter what, right. whether they're an R or a D. If you did something bad, you should be held accountable for it. And Edwards is a good example of that. But I do think that Alvin Bragg, if he goes forward, has a, has a sort of easier road in many ways. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, you know who the attorney general was? You and Renault, but folks at home, it was Eric Holder. So, so they didn't, he didn't have a problem. They're both Democrats. And so there is like, as you said, it's, did this person commit a crime or not? One more thing. The Edwards case, the reason it seems to me that he actually was able to be cleared on this is that these payments took place like two years before the election. In Donald Trump's case, we're talking about right before, like within months, like literally right before the election. This seems so open and shut. It's shocking to me that the SDNY that thought Cohen was a big criminal gave him three years for this, licked to Trump. And as you said, they were being politically pressured, but said, you know what? I'm going to leave that alone. He's the one who it was, it was for. Yeah, well, we've seen that Attorney General Garland, you know, may not have been anxious to look backwards and was trying to look forwards. Um, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but, you yeah. know, I do think that the DOJ now is in the right place in terms of, you know, having a very robust investigation. And this one here, this one that was printed out for me uh, by Cameron, my, my AP before this, this is the one y'all keep an eye because the feds may be waking back up because on this documents thing, the lawyers are telling. Uh, Andrew Weissman, da, da, da. here we go. Uh, th thank you very much. Totally Appreciate agree. You. Uh, <laughs> all right, still ahead. Anybody else find it fascinating how the Republican defense of Trump involves attacking the grand jury as politically motivated instead of on the merits of the actual case? Gee, I wonder why that is. More next. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.
House Republican retreat in Florida was supposed to focus on how to maintain their razor-thin majority. But instead, Donald Trump and his never-ending controversy sucked the oxygen out of the room. The party's response to the expected indictment? Blaming Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA leading the probe. The tough part is with, with a local DA playing in presidential politics. If that starts right there, don't you think it'll happen across the country? It's going to blow up our country, and this is a bunch of BS. He's a George Soros-backed prosecutor. He can't take the heat. So the guy is yielding to the political pressure generated by the former prosecutor. And being from New York, uh, I think Alvin Bragg in particular is the most radical DA you can ultimately get to. George Soros funded him over a million dollars, and we have this significant crime crisis in New York State. Just so... You know, the use of Soros funded to blast the Democratic prosecutor is an accusation deeply rooted in anti-Semitism. Ron DeSantis, who once signed a bill to curb anti-Semitism, also invoked George Soros in his critique of the hush money probe. They ignore crime and they empower criminals. And that hurts people, it hurts a lot of people every single day. The Soros district attorneys are a menace to society. Dog whistle, dog whistle, dog whistle. Top House Republicans are demanding that Manhattan D.A. Bragg testify to Congress on the possible indictment. They don't have that authority, but they're doing it. A spokesperson for his office promptly responded, saying, we will not be intimidated by attempts to undermine the judicial process, nor will we let baseless accusations deter us from fairly applying the law. Joining me now is Jen Psaki, former Biden White House press secretary and host of Inside with Jen Psaki, which debuted on Sunday right here on MSNBC. Quite the week to start a new show. You picked a good one, my uh, friend. Uh, There's a few things going on, Joy, <laughs> out there. <laughs> it, it's, it's a good, it's it's an interesting news season. Let, let, let's get into it. I, I do want to start by just getting your comment and whether this is going to be in your show. We, we, we're just going to change your, your A block right now. Okay. This, ABC, <laughs> this ABC news drop that apparently Evan Corcoran, Donald Trump's former attorney, is talking and handing over records and documents. And the uh, a judge in the case, Judge Beryl Howell, apparently has ruled that they have made the case, Jack Smith's office, that attorney-client privilege doesn't apply. They want those documents and that Donald Trump may have lied to his own attorneys about uh, those documents he stole and kept at Mar-a-Lago. Your thoughts? Not surprising at all. I wish that wasn't what my immediate reaction was, um, that yeah. Donald Trump was lying about what he was doing with classified documents and lying about taking them. Um, it seems like we're seeing a lot, Joy, here of a little CYA for people um, who are concerned about being caught up themselves in this. But um, certainly these are— other threads to pull. Even as we're following this Manhattan DA case so closely this week, as we're waiting to see if an indictment comes down, it's important to remember there's a whole host of other legal problems Trump has. And this is uh, just another kind of uh, sight into it. Yeah. And just as somebody who has had so much experience dealing with, you know, the two presidential administrations working in the State Department, I, I would love to get your thoughts on this, because what, what, what Donald Trump is doing and what all these Republicans, including Elise Stefanik, who used to be sort of a norm core, you yeah. know, Harvard girl, you know, regular Republican are doing is they're throwing that anti-Semitic bomb, which is very dangerous. And we've already seen spikes in anti-Semitism throughout the country, but attacking Soros, Soros, Soros and attacking Alvin Bragg, putting them together and then saying crime, which to me is just saying black people and Jews. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's, you know, it, it just, that's the way it reads to me. If, if another, if somebody was doing that in another country and throwing those kinds of dangerous dog whistles, we would call that incitement. Yeah. What do we call it when our, when our, when our own members of our own country are doing it? 
Well, we should call it a version of that. I mean, I think, Joy, as you started your show running through, I mean, what we're seeing here with Donald Trump calling for people to protest, targeting the Manhattan DA, that is what you see in authoritarian countries. I mean, the reason why people are so outraged in Israel at Netanyahu is because of his attempts to his desire to overhaul the judiciary, right? And there are so many cases of this happening around the world. His behavior and what he's doing here is more like Putin, it's more like Netanyahu than it is like a leader that we would historically seen in the United States. And as you noted, importantly, these dog whistles, which just keep coming out of every Republican's mouth, it's like Trump sent this bat signal out to people. <laughs> Go after the DA. Use the most creative, aggressive, offensive language you can, because the more offensive you are, the more you'll be rewarded in some way. And that's the danger of how his rhetoric creates a snowball. Yeah, and I, and I, and I think the Netanyahu sort of tied. I mean, they are, they're very tight. They're, they're two friendly people and they both don't seem to be too mad at a little violence, uh, against a, a minority mm. group in the case, Palestinians, uh, in, in Israel, Palestine. But, you know, there is a sort of line of thinking. So you have George Conway who came out and he said that this idea of the perp walk, which I think for a lot of law enforcement is like, they're, they're nervous about what that might do yeah. to Donald Trump's quite dangerous base. George Conway's take was, you know what? Maybe he wants that. That Donald mm. Trump wants the sort of theatrical moment of being able to put Put up his two Nixon fingers and and walk into into prison as sort of advertising for his campaign. What do you make of that? I don't know if I agree with that one. Look, I, I know we always think that Trump is playing three dimensional or six dimensional chess oh, or whatever it may be. I think <laughs> I don't he can know. barely play checkers. I don't either. <laughs> so this is more of a checkers take here, I guess. Joy is like, look, a, a perp walk for someone with handcuffs or without them makes him look smaller. To me, you know, if he is now talking about how big and bad the Manhattan DA is and how he's being unfairly targeted and sending out his bat signal, that is a that is a place where he thinks he's in powerful. If he is not in control and he's being walked by law enforcement, handcuffed or not, to me, that makes him look smaller. And I can't imagine, even with all of their chess and checkers playing, that that feels like a vi good visual even to the Trump people. Well, now like, your show is called Inside with Jen Sakis. I want you to give me a little insights, uh, your, your insider thoughts. Do you think that the movement by the DA in New York, I know they're not supposed to really, you know, sort of respond to the things that each other does. Do you think that makes Merrick Garland's shop stand up a little bit more and make Jack Smith say, you know what, we're not just going to let this local DA do all the work. We, we need to step up. Do you think that there is that kind of thinking inside of DOJ? No, uh, I, I don't think they look at it from that prism. I think they look at it as they're going to follow the facts of their own cases. And sometimes the timeline of that can be inconvenient, right? Because I think I agree with the argument that some of these other cases would be easier to argue in the public forum. But that's not how the judicial system works, nor should it be how it works. So I think Jack Smith, Merrick Garland, they've got their nose to the uh, grindstone here and they're working on their cases, but I don't think they're, they're, they're looking for signals from the DA. All right. Well, uh, we will be watching it play out, as will you, Jen Psaki. Thank you so much. Be sure to tune in thank you, to Jen's offense. Uh, Thank you. Uh, be sure to tune into Jen's fantastic new show, Inside with Jen Psaki, Sundays at noon Eastern, right here on MSNBC and streaming on Peacock. Up next, explosive allegations by a Fox News producer who says she was coerced, intimidated, and misled by network attorneys into giving false testimony in the Dominion case. That and much more coming up.
With all of Donald Trump's legal troubles coming to a head, let's not lose sight of the other dishonest, scandal-plagued Republican institution that is in legal jeopardy right now. That, of course, is Fox and the $1.6 billion defamation suit brought against the company by Dominion Voting Systems. Today, attorneys from both sides faced off in a Delaware courtroom in an attempt to persuade the judge to rule on the case before it heads to trial next month. With Dominion's lawyers pointing to the trove of text messages and emails between prominent Fox hosts and executives, privately acknowledging that the claims of widespread voter fraud they aired were not true as proof of defamation. Lawyers for Fox, on the other hand, argued that they are completely protected by the First Amendment. It all comes as a producer for Tucker Carlson and Maria Bartiromo at Fox is suing the company, alleging its lawyers coerced and intimidated her into providing misleading testimony. Joining me now is Katie Fang, trial attorney and host of The Katie Fang Show here on MSNBC. Katie, great to see you. Let's start really quickly from the the, the, the sort of case ongoing today. This is what the Dominion lawyer said, unlike every other single defamation case, we had their own words, and in fact, they, that they knew they were false. And in some cases, they were recklessly disregarding the truth. That's Justin Lord, the lawyer for Dominion. It, it, is it that cut and dry? It is. And what the judge heard today in a Delaware courtroom, Joy, is not something that he hasn't already read. At a summary judgment hearing, all of the evidence that's going to be presented has already done so in the legal filings that have been filed with the court. So what does that mean? Well, we know, and my sources have told me, um, basically the judge didn't finish, but he was going to give everybody as much time as humanly possible to be able to do so, which means everybody comes back tomorrow. My sources also tell me, Joy, that the judge will not rule from the bench, but will give you a very good idea as to whether where he's going to be leading one way or another. But it really is that cut and dry. The law is black in terms of this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. But the real nuance that we're kind of looking at here is whether or not a judge wants to say, you know what? I don't need a jury to hear this anymore because it is that clear on its face. Some of the questioning that came from the judge today to the lawyers indicated that there would be maybe a little bit of skepticism that the judge at this stage would say, we're going to take it out of the jury's hands. So if the jury gets it, it'll be April 17th for six weeks and Mm -hmm. 1800 juror questionnaires have already been sent out. Wow. Okay. Well, let's move to the other case. So this is Abby Grossberg. Um, I, I read through her filing today and it was a lot. It was a litany of all the sexual harassment. Roger Ailes, apparently, um, he wasn't even doing his job. All he was doing was chasing women around Fox, uh, the studios, uh, trying to make them have sex with him. Um, but she talked about the atmosphere she faced there. Um, there are texts in which she talks about the fact that, you know, the audience doesn't want to hear a peaceful transition. That's some of the stuff. That's some of the stuff that's in the Dominion case. But let me read what she talked about. She said that on her first full day, this is according to her lawsuit, Ms. Grossberg discovered that the show's Manhattan workspace was decorated with large pictures of Representative Nancy Pelosi of California, then the House Speaker, wearing a plunging swimsuit. Later that fall, she said, before an appearance on the show by Tudor Dixon, the Republican candidate for Michigan governor, Ms. Carlson's staff held a mock debate about whether they would prefer to have sex with Ms. Dixon or her Democratic opponent, Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And she alleges that was the kind of atmosphere she experienced. Also attacks on Maria Bartiromo as crazy um, and also Tucker Carlson show being a dumpster fire of sexism. What do you think the chances that she will have of being able to win a case such as that? 
Are you feeling the deja vu a little bit, Joy? Because we've heard this before, right? There have been a series of lawsuits that were brought against Fox News previously by people that worked there, from Gretchen Carlson, for example, moving onwards, indicating that there was an environment. Now, what's really bad about this lawsuit, though, if we're going to stay within the lane of these allegations of sexual harassment and hostile work environment, is that Fox was supposed to have fixed that problem after the whole thing was taken care of and those myriad of multi-million dollar payments were made, Fox is supposed to fix that hostile work environment and make it better. But Abby Grisberg in this particular situation is very interesting, right? Because we saw her in the Dominion lawsuit versus Fox News. She, being a booker for Tucker Carlson and working for Maria Bartiromo, actually was deposed under oath and said that, nope, we actually didn't gatekeep it. We knew it wasn't true, but we put these guests on anyway and we let them say what they were going to say, knowing that they were going to spread false information about Dominion and spread the big lie. Now she's saying she was coached by Fox lawyers to say exactly what she said in her depots. So it kind of makes you think this helps Dominion. It helps say that they all knew the whole time, but she felt like she had to sit there and say something to help her employer. Now she's been actually been put on administrative, I think, leave, or she's actually been told to go away from the network. But ultimately, if she can prove her case, she's trying to save her own credibility because she's already been dragged through the mud because of that Dominion lawsuit. Yeah, she's working at CBS. She's at NBC Universal for a while. She's like an actual journalist. Do you think Dominion winds up calling her as a witness? Well, that's really very quickly. I'll let you know. We file witness lists when we're trial lawyers, and there was actually oral arguments today in court, Joy, about whether or not witnesses from Fox's witness list would be forced to appear to testify live in that trial in April. Not only was Abby's name indicated as one of those witnesses, but also Rupert Murdoch, Lachlan Murdoch, Viet Din, and some other folks, including Paul Ryan. What do they say about somebody like Rupert Murdoch? Quote, Mm. he doesn't know anything, but you and I both know we've seen those texts and that depot testimony that he does. But he also says he's too, it's too hard for him to go, but Joy, he's getting married for the sixth time. So he can get married, but he can't go to trial. (laughs) Makes you wonder what's the priority there. And also, who are these people marrying these people? Uh, Katie Fang, just my editorial comment, not yours. Thank you very much, Katie. Appreciate you. Up next, newly released surveillance video shows the moments before a Virginia man died in police custody. The latest on the disturbing death of Irvo Otieno. Next. New video was released by prosecutors today showing the final moments of Ivo Otieno's life. Otieno died in custody at a Virginia State Psychiatric Hospital after several officers and medical staff appeared to pile on top of the 28-year-old black man for what appears to be 11 minutes before he stops moving. Seven officers and three hospital workers have been charged with murder. NBC's Katie Beck has the latest, a warning that what follows is difficult to watch. The actions of seven Virginia sheriff's deputies and three hospital workers on March 6th captured on camera images of 28-year-old Ivo Otieno's last hours alive. This story was not supposed to end like this. Transported from jail to a mental hospital where prosecutors say he was smothered to death during intake. A grand jury meeting today. It took about three hours and they came back with 10 indictments. What does that say to you? It says to me, that um, these nine men and one woman murdered my son. 
The video released by the prosecution, which doesn't have sound, shows Otieno's intake at the hospital. At 4.19, deputies walk him into a hospital admissions room, Otieno appearing to be handcuffed, his ankles in shackles, at first leaning him against a chair. Minutes later, deputies and hospital staff pile on top of him until about 4.40. Otieno then seen unresponsive, chest compressions begin. There's no pulse anymore. Is the patient aggressive or is he not? He's no, not he used to be aggressive, right? So they're trying to put him in restraint. Then eventually he didn't, he's no longer breathing. The emergency crew arrives at 5.08 and continues to attempt to revive Otieno. But by 5.48, it's too late. One defense attorney disappointed by the released videos, saying it could taint a jury and saying his client had limited contact with Otieno. Suggests that he in any way acted in concert quite frankly, is a stretch of the imagination. But Otieno's family haunted by unrelenting grief and the question, why? I call his name every day. I find myself calling his name. Several defense attorneys for defendants in this case did not respond to our request for comment. At last check, the seven deputies were on administrative leave, but the sheriff's office not responding to comment tonight as well. NBC's Katie Beck. Thank you. And that is tonight's readout. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley, in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.